Hello everyone, I'm Dalton Britta. I'm Ryan Warner. And we are the Movie Knights. Well, some of them. If you're watching this, it's because you want to hear our uncensored and unfiltered thoughts and opinions about the world of movies. So kick back, grab a snack, and thank you for being part of the conversation. Ryan, how are you, my guy? I'm good. How are you? I am chilling. I'm just yeah. doing great. I got new Mutants tickets. What's that mean? That means apparently that movie's real, and I'm going to see it on the 28th mm. of August. I'm excited. We'll see. I am excited. Hey, you know what? I'm not going to take that away from you. Good for you, Thank man. you. Thank you. It's I appreciate real. it. <laughs> if I actually see it and walk out and call you and tell you I've seen it, will you believe it's real? No. Not, <laughs> not, not until I watch it for myself and I watch the post credit scene and it's like New Mutants coming again in 2019 and it's like, oh, they fucking forgot to cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, but yes, welcome to the sh- back to the show, everyone, all seven of you. Um, we're going to go ahead and start with the uh, movie news section of our show, just kind of kick things off. A little bit slower of a week compared to last week. Oh, compared week. to last week, of course, yeah. But some interesting stories nonetheless. Absolutely. Uh, so let's go ahead and kick off one that I picked up from The Hollywood Reporter. Uh, whenever my Wi-Fi wants to work for oh, us. Oh, I... You- do you want me to go ahead and take it away? I have it take it away, right dude. Go ahead. Yeah, so I'm going to butcher this name, unfortunately, but Tig Nataro is replacing Chris D'Elli in Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead movie, uh, which is going to be a straight-to-Netflix movie, a Netflix original movie that Zack Snyder is doing. Yes. Um, it is like a heist movie set in the zombie apocalypse yes. time, which just sounds rad. Zack mm-hmm. Snyder's doing a movie, which sounds rad. Yeah. Um, but I do know that there was some controversy around chris dielli i don't yes, know exactly. a lot of uh, sexual misconduct allegations mm-hmm. yes which is uh obviously not good at yeah. all that's a no boy no scenario exactly so good for them for replacing um that actress but what's the most interesting fact about this is that this movie is done shooting this movie is... It, it's been it's, done shooting. It's like They're, they're close to completing VFX work on it, like post-production. Yes. And uh, according to the article, they're going to use a mix of reshoots mm-hmm. with just that the new actress in a stand-in mm-hmm. and um, a mixture of like just visual effects like on green screen, placing her in there and some redubbing in order to make it work. But apparently they're fully committed to making it work. And Which I hope it doesn't turn out bad. Yeah. I, I, I'm less worried in how it will look. I'm more worried about noticing that even if I didn't know that something happened, that something's off. Like, they just completely don't even look at her character or acknowledge yeah. her, but she's like, hey guys, we should go do this. Yeah, but and like, they're like, we should go here. Yeah, like, like basically, like I want to watch the movie with someone who has no idea what was going on and see if they pick up that something's weird. Yeah. Because if they don't, then mission accomplished you know mm-hmm. but uh yeah no it was an i thought it was a very interesting thing i'm um, noble of them you know to get rid of someone who's you know problematic and while no like charges have been filed against i mean while he hasn't been convicted of anything the more allegations that came out the more true they seemed to be yeah. and he got dropped from a lot of you know things that he had coming up um like a, a netflix speaking of like dropped on his one of his original shows they had mm-hmm. coming out and uh, that turned out to be a whole mess and, you know, good on them for, you know, making sure that, that the movie still goes on. Because, you know, movies are made by more than one person. Yeah. So they wanted to make sure that the film didn't suffer because of it. And kudos to Netflix, too, for approving it happening. Because you know that this it's their money. Too, yeah. yeah. So, you know, as they, kudos to them for doing that and being able to pull this off during the pandemic. 
Um, I know it's supposed to come out sometime in 2020, but they never had an official release date on it. So I don't know if it will put it into 2021 or if they're going to have it still be like end December 2020. And how big is her role going to be in the Yeah, may, maybe it's only a couple of scenes. You know, who knows? But uh, regardless, I think it'll be interesting to see. I'm curious as to how it will turn out. And honestly, you know, good. I think it was a good call by them. Yeah, you know, I, I think that was the right thing to do for sure. Obviously, you don't want any troublemakers around you, especially um, something this serious of an allegation, you know. So you definitely want to be able to clear all names of everyone you're working with. So good for them for dropping uh, Chris Dillier and bringing in someone new to replace them. And yeah. Um, Get a new face in there. Yeah, yeah, no, good on, good on them. Uh, we're gonna, gonna go on to our next story, which I'm also picking up from Hollywood Reporter, but I think Deadline had the exclusive on this, if I'm not mistaken. Um, there's gonna be a remake of Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, which doesn't mean anything to me because I haven't seen the movie. You, but bitch. I know that it's well loved. Around Thanksgiving for classic movie reviews, we'll do it because it's like the best Thanksgiving movie ever. Okay. And uh, but the stars of the remake are going to be Will Smith and Kevin Hart, which I think is rather interesting. Um, just having Kevin Hart be in it with any other actor, I would have been kind of worried. But the fact that it's Will Smith and Kevin Hart, you know, Will Smith is a very serious actor. Even in his comedic bits, he takes his project seriously. And, you know, because he's even stepped up and done produced some films. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he also has an eye for classic cinema. So I'm, I know that he's not, he's going to take this very seriously. And Kevin Hart, um, while it is a comedy movie, and we know that both of them can do comedic acting, Kevin Hart also showed some of his dramatic side in this movie, The Upside, that came out last year. With Brian Cranston. Yeah. And um, I think that it's going to be a great pairing. I think comedically they'll play off each other well. And one of the reasons why the original comedy worked so well is because it was also very character-driven, and it was very, like, it was just about a guy who wanted to get home for Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, now that I've seen Kevin Hart in a dramatic thing, that because we know Will Smith can do both. Yeah. I think that it's going to be very interesting to see, and I think that they're both going to do a very good job playing off each other as actors and, you know, have good on-screen chemistry mm-hmm. for this. I'm curious to see how they'll update it because, obviously, you know, it took place in the 80s, so a lot of the, you know, settings and problems that they had weren't problems that we were going to have now. Like, mm-hmm. you know, one of them was, like, they couldn't call anybody because, you know, cell phones. So, you know, we'll, we'll see how that's going to play out. But uh, I'm really looking forward to the movie. I think it's going to be hopefully be really funny. And... Um, what are your thoughts? I mean, I know you haven't seen the original, mm-hmm. but just the idea of Will Smith and Kevin Hart kind of tackling a classic comedy together. It's very interesting seeing them two together. That That is not a pairing I would imagine that I'd see anytime soon. Because um, usually whenever you see Kevin Hart, it's either him by himself or with Dwayne Johnson, which I think him and Dwayne Johnson play off of each other very, very naturally. They're hilarious together. Um, personally, I'm not the biggest kevin hart fan whenever he's by himself uh but in the upside whenever he was getting into more dramatic acting i was a huge fan of that because like he wasn't putting on that character facade that he does yeah his eccentric um personality whenever he's doing his His kevin hart isms yeah yeah um but i think will smith is hilarious i'm a will smith fan um so i I'd, I'd like to imagine that this is going to work well, just them two bouncing off each other, because I don't think that they've worked together, have they? I Not that I'm aware of. Okay. Not that I can think of or recall. So it'll be it. really interesting, because the original, they're like, they're buddies and they're trying to get home together or something, or is no, no, that they're, basically... They're, they're not buddies, they're completely different people, but they're both stuck at the same airport, oh. and they're both trying to get home for Thanksgiving. So okay. it's like them just dealing with each other. Like, have you ever seen Due Date? Yeah. It's kind of like that. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. And uh, I, I think that they're going to pull it off very well. Although I wonder who's going to, like... 
because someone's going to be like the Steve Martin character and someone's going to be the John Candy character. Mm-hmm. And it didn't immediately jump at me like who was which one was going to be which. Mm-hmm. So I wonder who they're going to go with because I think both could pull. One's like the straight man and one's like the funny guy. Mm-hmm. So I wonder who's going to be the one. Yeah, I mean, we'll have to wait and see. I mean, yeah. I I think either way, these guys are funny. Um, so we'll, we'll have to wait and see. And I hope that they uh, bring something new to this and don't try to just completely like revamp it without having some originality to it you know yeah and like you said they're gonna have to update a lot of the problems that they had previously in the 80s that they don't really have now uh so we'll have to see how they update everything but it'll be uh fun nonetheless to watch this because like you i think they're both hilarious and it'd be fun to watch them on screen together yeah you know i agree i agree we're gonna move on to our next story i'm getting i'm getting this from the rap i don't know who had the exclusive on it though um, Amanda Stenberg, the actress from The Hate You Give, and she was in another uh, big movie that's leaving me at the moment, is going to join the Dear Evan Hansen film adaptation at Universal. And part of the reason why I did the story is I didn't know they were doing a Dear Evan Hansen movie, so I wanted to get a lot of the details on that, unless maybe we reported on it and just didn't think about it. Yeah. Um, apparently, the film adaptation of the movie is going to feature music and lyrics from the La La Land people. Um, Steinberg will play the role of Alina from, or Alana, Elena from the original stage musical. Mm-hmm. And I believe the Evan in that, Ben Platt is ex- is expected to reprise the role okay. as Evan Hansen. And um, apparently Caitlin Denver is also set up to star, mm-hmm. another really funny actress. And it's going to be directed from the director of The Perks of Being a Wallflower is going to direct the movie. Okay. So naturally it's going to have that, you know, teenage feel to the movie that, um, you know, n- sort of naturalistic realism and with its characters. Mm-hmm. So on that level, I'm not worried at all. It is, I've listened to the soundtrack of the musical. I've never seen it live, but it's a great soundtrack. And, you know, from, from what I understand, it's an excellent production. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm looking forward to the film adaptation and, you know, adding talent like Amanda Stenberg is never a bad idea. No, absolutely not. So I think that, you know, her addition is going to make a great addition to the movie um what are your thoughts on any of this information uh so i don't know much about dear evan hansen mm-hmm. um i do know that it is the, the one thing i do know that it's well loved uh however the adaptation stage to film adaptation is not always going to work yeah and that always. what worries me because mm-hmm. um, i know people who may love this will absolutely hate and despise the movie if it's bad and doesn't do it justice um, but with adaptations, it's kind of like a gray area, whether it'll be good or bad. It's very, very, very hit or miss where it's like original movies. You kind of have a little bit more leniency with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm very curious to see if they're going to stay completely original mm-hmm. to the play or if they're going to have some, uh, like liberties that they want to take with it. Yeah. Uh, or just the only liberty that, or the only similarity is the name. Maybe it's completely different. Yeah. Who knows? We, we, we don't, we don't have those details yeah. yet. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it, it'll definitely be strange to watch this and see a lot of the theater kids and people mm-hmm. who love theater. Yeah. Cause as soon as this first trailer drops, those kids are going to go nuts. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but like in the Heights, Mm-hmm. Uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda did for uh, I don't know if it was a Broadway play but a play nonetheless yeah. I know that that was well loved and then the trailer for it which we haven't seen the movie obviously because I got pushed yeah. back but the trailer was jaw dropping yeah, I think that'll make the an excellent mm-hmm. an excellent transition into uh, the movie adaptation but um, like most recently I just watched The Greatest Showman and that 
doesn't feel like a movie. It feels like a play. So I'm yeah. curious to see how they want to take this movie, whether it'll have like that good adaptation or if it'll just fall flat. So yeah, we'll just ha- we'll have to see, I suppose. Yeah. And speaking of In the Heights, our next story involves around one of the actresses from In the Heights. Oh, how fun! You didn't even know you set up a segue, but I did nonetheless. Uh, yes, In the Heights star Melissa Barrera is set to be in Scream Five, and she is the first new cast member that has been officially announced. Right, because it's all been. Um Characters who have been in movies before. Yes. I can't, the word is Reoccurring characters. Reoccurring, thank you. It's okay. You, I saw it was in your head. You just couldn't get <laughs> it. It was right there. I gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, but I, and of course, I'm reporting on this because I, I fucking love the Scream and franchise. And we've been getting a lot of... Like, I feel like every week we talk about Scream. Yeah. Which is very exciting because it, yeah. it, it makes this project feel more real as, yeah. as the weeks go. Not only that, but it also shows that the people making it are excited to bring the news to us. Which, yeah. you know, if there's passion on that end, then hopefully that bleeds through the screen when it's over. But uh, I, I don't believe I've seen Melissa in anything before. Mm-hmm. But the fact that, you know, she's clearly looking like a rising star, you know, coming off of In the Heights, we haven't seen it, but maybe some insiders have. It's mm-hmm. cl- clearly a done film. It's already been finished. Yeah. And so the fact that she's going to be in Scream, I there's no details on her role, but I'm very curious as to what it's going to be. And I love when franchises introduce new characters, especially for those of you who've seen Scream 4, which I really like. I love the way they introduce new characters in that movie while also making sure the original characters got the spotlight as well. I think they balanced that very well. Mm-hmm. And I think they'll do it again in Scream 5. I'm very much still looking forward to it. And, uh, yeah, that excited me. So I just wanted to bring that up. Yeah, in the adding talent section. is never a bad thing. Never, right. never a bad thing. That's right. So we're going to go ahead and move on to the next section of our show, which is classic movie reviews. What's a classic to us? That's a movie that's at least 25 years old, is in high critical standing, and has a good following of fans. Ryan, what movie did we watch? 1941's The Maltese Falcon. Starring the great Humphrey Bogart. I'm going to go ahead and let you take this one first. Uh, By the way, this was a movie that neither of us had seen before. Mm. We finally did one of those. Yeah. So go ahead and give me your overall thoughts and a bit of a breakdown into The Maltese Falcon. Yeah, so I will say it did start off a little bit slower than I initially thought Mm. it would be. Um, And we didn't really see The Falcon until the end. Yes. Um, But this private investigator is told that he wants to be or someone wants to hire him to mm-hmm. find his sister or to find this girl's sister mm-hmm. and then as the movie unwinds he slowly like realizes the real reason that he was hired and not hired to find this girl's lost sister but really to help find this Maltese falcon mm-hmm. that everyone has been after since the 15th or 16th century yeah um that is very very uh pricey to say the least but uh it's very interesting to see how this like film noir just kind of unravels and how you find out a little bit more as it goes on and how more details are figured out and one thing i really liked about this because i looked it up on the imdb trivia and because i, mm-hmm. I kind of noticed it throughout the movie mm-hmm. uh the movie is kind of shot from behind humphrey beauregard's shoulder yeah that way we're watching everything unravel from his perspective which mm-hmm. i thought was very very fascinating yeah and really quick speaking yeah. to that the only scene that he's not in is a scene where like one of the characters is murdered mm-hmm. and apparently that was put in at the studios in instance in the the intention was to have him be in every scene because mm-hmm. of all the murders in the movie you only see that one yeah which felt kind of weird and that's why uh but yes go go ahead and keep going yeah no i just thought that was very fascinating and i really liked a lot of the blocking and mm-hmm. and the way that the uh the shots were constructed it has some like really good lines in it like i thought mm-hmm. one of the uh, funniest lines in it was whenever the cops are trying to like get mm-hmm. into his apartment and like try to figure out and want to question him about the murder because they think that he murdered his partner yeah 
Um, and then they hear a scream from inside the apartment and they're like, oh, I guess we're coming in now. And he's like, I guess you, you are. are. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just thought that bit was so funny. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's pretty much my thoughts. I, I really liked the movie. It, it was very interesting to see how the film was shot from his perspective. Yeah. Yeah, no, that was really interesting to see. And I'm piggybacking off of what you're saying. Um, I really enjoyed the film as well. I think it did a good job of setting up how the Maltese Falcon may seem meaningless to us, but to these characters, it seems very important. And it's, mm-hmm. it kind of has a presence over the film without actually seeing it, yeah. which is hard to pull off. And I think they p- pulled it off well. I thought Humphrey Bogart's performance was excellent. I, I thought pretty much every performance was great. Mm-hmm. Um it does a really good job of sort of unraveling the mystery and just sort of figuring out more and more as the movie goes. Mm -hmm. There are some scenes that are a bit heavy in exposition, which I thought was a bit unnecessary, especially because you had an opening crawl sort of explaining everything about the Falcon. So like getting it again was kind of like, it didn't really make sense to me, Mm -hmm. but, um, yeah, the only other negative I really have about the movie is some of the screenplay was a bit inconsistent. And what I mean by that is there's a scene where like, he's talking with like, the the big honcho leaves for a random scene where he gets accused of doing something only to walk outside and have them be like, the honcho wants to speak with you again. Then they go back to the same location and like pick up the conversation. And I'm like, you couldn't have just had the whole conversation a scene ago and then moved on. Yeah. Like they Cause just... like, he was like, Oh, like give me your answer. If you want to find out about the Falcon at five yeah. o'clock. And yeah. then it's like, it's not like, the story continues yeah. when he leaves. Yeah, it's not He's like, like, it's not like a around. bunch happened. It's just this random, like, inter, like, immediate thing, and yeah. then he goes back. So there's, there's a couple instances of that. But other than that, I thought the screenplay was pretty tight. The dialogue is great. Mm-hmm. Um, there's an excellent line at the end, the, you know, the stuff the dreams are made of, which really was interesting to me, especially when it shows that character's kind of motivations towards the end of the film. Mm-hmm. And I like that he didn't play, like, a fully nice character. He was just, like, this wild card, basically. Yeah. And he obviously, while he had somewhat of a moral compass, he was also very monetarily motivated, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. And they do a good job of showing that. And I think overall, um, it was a really good movie. I enjoyed an overwhelming majority of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, like I said, only some script issues, but nothing to really detract from the movie all that much. Uh, can you think of any other negatives sort of off the top of your head? No, just really the uh, excessive dialogue, like you pointed out, because there was times where I was just like, man, this character is still talking. Mm-hmm. Like it just, it felt like that they could say what they needed to say in a lot and mm-hmm. fewer words. Yeah. And uh, it's just really a shame that like, I it just kind of like lost me in some of the dialogue bits. And I was just like, can we just like move on with the story? Can we progress? Cause like you said, they have that whole opening scrawl talking about the Falcon mm-hmm. and like why all these people were after it. But I did like how you said that, um, how the Falcon like has this presence over the film. Cause they talk mm-hmm. about it pretty much from like 20 minutes into the movie on. Yeah. And you don't see it until like the last 10 minutes of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. It, they, they did a good job of sort of setting that up and it's, you know, purpose and mm-hmm. what it serves and, uh, big spoilers, but when it's revealed that the one that they have is actually a fake, you actually feel like, ah, oh, damn, in that moment, because they've set it up so much to yep. that point. And um, also, the uh, the movie does a good job of keeping the audience on its toes. And we're like, there are some long dialogue sequences. Suddenly, the movie will change direction, and it won't feel sudden or jarring, mm-hmm. and it will stay interesting. It was never an uninteresting turn. Yeah. So the movie does a good job of, like, when you think it's going in one direction, it'll take a slight merge this way. 
to where it's not completely crazy. Mm-hmm. It's enough to be believable, but also enough to kind of keep you guessing. Yeah. So, yeah, overall, I really, really like the Maltese Falcon. I'm glad that we got a chance to watch it. It's one that has been on my watch list for years and just never got around to doing it. Mm-hmm. Thanks, HBO Max. But, uh, but yeah, um, what's going to be your overall grade on the film? Uh, probably four stars out of five. Mm-hmm. Like, I really loved the film noir of it. I loved how everything was shot from the P.I.'s perspective. And uh, we really felt like we were with him in his journey because, like you said, he was in it for, like, every scene except for the one murder scene. Yeah. Uh, but four stars out of five. What about you? Gotcha. I'm going to give it an A. Okay. Um, like I said, there were a couple script issues and just, you know, some other things that got under my skin more than normally. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's something that I can't ignore. But, you know, it's still a fucking phenomenal movie. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, really, really liked The Maltese Falcon, and I'm glad that we watched it. Absolutely, absolutely. That is definitely a classic. Yes, yes. We're going to go ahead and move on to the next thing that we have planned today. We normally on the show, because we've done the show for about two years, mm-hmm. not consistently. Wow, two years, wow. Yeah, not, con- yeah, not, consistent, not consistently, but two years. We have, like, over the past year, but we did start mm-hmm. in 2018, technically. Yeah. And something that we've done, tradition, is halfway through the year, we'll make a list of our top ten movies of the year so far. And then we kind of didn't do that because COVID, and we didn't even think about it. But then I brought it up to you a couple days ago. Well, we do. We always do it in August, and the reason we do it in August mm-hmm. is because typically, from this point forward, is when we see all the Oscar movies. Yes. Um, like last year, I think the earliest movie that got nominated for an Oscar was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Which that came September. out in July. Mm-hmm. Oh, July. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Mm-hmm. So. Typically, around this time, moving forward to the end of the year, it's all the Oscar movies. So we like to do our top ten based on what we've seen of, like, typically the non-Oscar movies. Yes, yes. And, well, these lists are going to get interesting because... These are uh, definitely not Oscar movies, I yeah, can tell you that. No. Um, <laughs> some of them are streaming movies that I happen to watch, although I didn't see enough streaming. Like, I still haven't seen Host on Shudder, which I hear is really excellent. I haven't seen American Pickle, which I've heard is good. You know, I haven't seen Eurovision, Lovebirds. There's so many movies that I haven't got a chance to see yet. But um, I was able to rack together 10 movies and rank them in an order from worst to best. And I want you to go first. I am very curious as to what you're going to do. Oh uh, but go God. ahead and just go all the way through. Start at 10. Go through one. And just, you know, briefly speak about the films as you get to them. Yeah, absolutely. I will. So this was extremely hard to make. And a lot of these movies may shock you as to how uh, high they are ranked. Oh, God. Okay. Now... Typically, whenever we go through these movies, I have a solid spot for these movies. Mm-hmm. Seven through ten, they're all like on the same level, interchangeable. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, number ten, I would want to say Fantasy Island. And mind you, all my movies on my list, I I watched in theaters because I haven't watched any streaming movies that came out in 2020. So that's the only reason you get a pass <laughs> putting <laughs> that movie on your list because theaters have been shut down for three months and it's been <laughs> awful. Probably four months now at this point. Yeah, March. Yeah, shit. Um, but yeah, Fantasy Island was horrible. Very fascinating concept, but just it's horrible. But Blumhouse, I love Blumhouse movies. Um, so that gets in at number 10. <laughs> so that comes in at number 10, exactly. <laughs> uh, but like I said, 7 through 10 is very interchangeable. Uh, number 9, uh, let's just go with Birds of Prey. I think that movie is fun as hell. It's uh, it's not great by any means, but mm-hmm. it's fun. It's definitely yeah. enjoyable. If I oh, ever yeah. want to like watch a movie and have a good time, I can always rely on Birds of Prey. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love Ewan McGregor in that. I love Margot Robbie. Uh, they're just fantastic in that movie. 
number eight, <laughs> The Way Back <laughs> with Ben Affleck. Uh, I share some of these. Don't worry. Yeah, oh, I'm sure you do. Oh, but yeah. it's just, God, thinking about these movies and like how nothing else has come out in theaters yeah. is yeah. really just a shame. But Ben Affleck gives a solid performance. It's Ben Affleck. We love Ben Affleck. Yes. Ben Affleck was the bomb in Phantoms. Uh, what? It's, it's a James Allen Bob reference. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry, that one went a little over my head, but I have it's seen okay. James Allen Bob. It's okay. Someone's uncultured over here. I know. Um, so what are we on eight or no seven? Seven. Bad Boys for Life. Actually, never. <laughs> I actually never saw that. That movie is fun as hell. I I can admit that. I haven't seen the other ones, but I was just like <laughs> bored just one went. day, and yeah. I was like, you know what? Let's go watch this movie. And that movie is fun. Um, I can cool. say that, but I definitely want to go back and watch the other ones, mm-hmm. but I really can't speak anything on that movie. Uh, number six, here we go. Getting into the nitty gritty of the fucking list. <laughs> we have Sonic the Hedgehog. Jesus Christ. Which six <laughs> dude, wait till we get further down in the list. Um, oh, okay. Sonic the Hedgehog. This movie got a lot of controversy and i will admit i was part of that like not active on social media yeah. or anything i wasn't bashing anyone because i think the that's true fans remember stupid. but the true fans remember what that fucking horrid nightmare induced fuel of a fucking sonic that they tried to put in there in the first place which was awful yeah luckily, but i'm glad that they went back and changed it yeah. and i'm actually very excited for the second movie like i think the second movie will be awesome luckily we got the snyder cut of sonic and not the original yes correct they finally <laughs> did right by snyder cut um that movie's awesome it's fun i it's not fantastic but again just like birds of prey I can put this on at any time and have a good time. Jim Carrey is absolutely fantastic. And I'll, it, I'll give you that. Jim Carrey is Jim Carrey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, number five, we have The Hunt. Not mad. <laughs> this movie came out of nowhere and <laughs> has probably one of the funniest lines I've oh, ever heard in I, a dark I comedy. I know the line you're talking about. It's whenever she goes to buy cigarettes <laughs> and she's like, oh, that'd be $6. And the girl's like, or what did she say exactly? Because I don't want to. I don't want to mess up the line. Uh, I don't remember the exact amount, but like she knows she's being tricked and pulls out a shotgun, and points it at the lady, and goes, "Cigarettes in Arkansas are only four bucks. You done fucked up!" And then just blows her brains. <laughs> yeah, and it comes out of nowhere too. Because I, I think it's the first time we see, like that's the first line she says when she's introduced. It's, she's she speaks very minimally before that. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. But what a what a great character introduction. Yes. Um. That movie is bonkers that movie's yeah. bonkers it was wild. very entertaining very entertaining mm-hmm. now this is part of the list when we get into like the actual good movies that i've seen the top four <laughs> the top four <laughs> should be the whole top 10 but oh, i digress God. number four the call of the wild interesting dude i fucking love this movie I remember going to theaters with Skylar and being like, what the hell are we going to watch? And we we're like, oh, Call of the Wild looks cute, whatever. Yeah. That movie has a lot of fucking heart. And Harrison it, it, Ford cares it, about that it role. It was better than what I thought it was going to be. Yeah. That's true. Um, God damn, Harrison Ford actually caring about a role. I have never seen that before. Like, um, And I like that they went with the CG route with the dogs mm-hmm. to like 
be able to show their the expressions. The box office didn't. <laughs> no, not at all. But you know what? Call of the Wild, you got number four on my spot, if that means anything. Um, so number three, we have Onward, the Pixar movie that came okay. out. Okay. Um, this movie has a lot of heart, and every Pixar movie always knocks yeah. it out of the park. As soon like, as we saw Pixar, we're like, oh, here comes a good movie. <laughs> Get ready to cry. <laughs> um, I will say I like their movies. I mean, I guess all their movies kind of dwell on family, um, but... Just because I feel like we haven't seen a movie about brothers, and I really like the message this had. It had a lot of like D and D correlations with it, which mm-hmm. I thought were funny and awesome. Um, but yeah, very very cute movie, very wholesome movie. That yes. if you ever want a good cry, definitely recommend that movie. Mm-hmm. Number two, we have The Gentleman. Awesome, fantastic movie. Huge mm-hmm. huge huge Guy Ritchie fan. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like this movie also kind of came out of nowhere. And typically with January movies... What like they're going to be shit normally. Yeah, normally. exactly. It's kind of like... You put it the best. Like It's like the dumping ground for Hollywood. It's yeah. like uh, whatever we know is going to be trash, we're going to just throw it here. Mm-hmm. Um, but this movie genuinely surprised me with how good it is. And I love Matthew McConaughey and everything that I've seen him in. Um, so I, I was going to get around to watching this. And I'm glad I was able to catch it in theaters because this movie is... It's so fun. It has Guy Ritchie's DNA all over it. And I just, this is a movie that I can watch anytime and it only gets better with every rewatch. And then number one, the best movie so far of the year is Invisible Man. I was on the edge of my seat when I was watching this movie. Mm Mm-hmm. Like this movie genuinely scared the piss out of me at times. Just how the camera would just like be on, uh, what's her name? Elizabeth Moss. Yeah. The camera would just be on Elizabeth Moss and then it would just kind of like drift over here and watch the side of the room and you're like something's up over there yeah. what, what, something's afoot there's fuckery afoot um but it was just very 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 scary atmosphere that uh mm-hmm. lee Wynell was building with that movie oh yeah and i'm so excited for him to take what is it wolfman's mm-hmm. next mm-hmm. so excited oh me too so excited but that's my uh that, that's that's my list so far hopefully when we do this list again at the end of the year in December, we have some like quality movies on here. <laughs> Otherwise, it's gonna be the same goddamn list. Uh, uh, but uh, what's what's your list, buddy? Let's see if you have any uh, stinkers on there as well. I actually did pretty good. Yeah, you think so? Because I did some good streaming movies. Okay. For- fortunately, number ten. It was between this and The Hunt. And when you picked, you told me that you picked The Hunt. So I'm like, all right, I'll let you take The Hunt. Mm-hmm. But I thought The Hunt was fun. But at number 10 was a movie called The Photograph, and it stars Lakeith Stanfield and an actress named Issa Rae. Okay. It was one of the last movies I saw in theaters. Mm-hmm. Um, it was pretty slow and kind of boring, but their chemistry together was really well done. It was a romance film, mm-hmm. and um, it, it surrounds this photograph that both of them are sort of investigating. And, you know, pictures are worth a thousand words, and this movie does a good job of just explaining why. And it mm-hmm. kind of uses that to tell their story. And it was very it was an interesting, cute little movie. Yeah. Just a little boring. Coming at number nine, we have Call of the Wild. <laughs> yes. It made an intro. Because that list. movie was super cute and super fun. <laughs> and I want Harrison Ford to be my grandpa. Absolutely. Enough said. Coming at number eight is Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. Like you said, fun as hell, not perfect, mostly positive, just a bit inconsistent. But overall, I thoroughly enjoy that film. Mm-hmm. Uh, coming in at number seven is The Way Back. <laughs> with good old Ben Affleck giving one of the best performances of his career and Gavin O'Connor directing. I you love think it's one of one of the best, yeah. Of his whole career, really. I do, yes. Hmm. And I'm I've seen a lot of his movies. 
Wow. But uh, Gavin O'Connor directed it. Um, not my favorite one that he's directed, but I do like him as a director. Mm-hmm. Um, coming in at number six, we have The Five Bloods, Spike Lee's Netflix original movie. Mm-hmm. Um, like Birds of Prey, anyway, it is a bit inconsistent. But in terms of this movie, there are some scenes that are like Oscar caliber great. Like you're watching it and you're just like, that dude's going to get an Academy Award nomination. That dude might get one too. Like this cinematography is beautiful. But then there are scenes that just dramatically don't hold the same weight. Mm-hmm. And it consistently goes from being like top tier excellent to mediocre. And so that inconsistently drops it a bit. But overall, it was a fantastic movie. And Delroy Lindo will get an Academy Award nomination. You heard it here first. Uh, who? He is what? one of the, because it's about soldiers from Vietnam going back to look for like buried treasure. Okay. And he's one of them. Okay. And it's, he does such a phenomenal performance. Hmm. Coming in at number five is The King of Staten Island. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. Movie, okay. That, was, movie that was supposed to be in theaters, mm-hmm. but came out on VOD, starring Pete Davidson, directed by Judd Apatow. Really delightful film. Um, it's not like a straight comedy like most of Judd Apatow's movies. It's more of a dramedy. Mm-hmm. But you're thoroughly invested in the drama. You laugh hard when it turns funny. Bill Burr is in it. I love that fucking guy. Yeah. Marissa Tomei does a great job as well. Everyone does great. Judd Apatow's direction is pretty strong. Um, the pacing is a bit off, and the movie is about 20 minutes too long. It's, a pr- it's longer for a dramedy. But Pete Davidson's performance, he does an excellent job. And the story remains interesting, even when it goes into a more boring direction. You still are curious as to what happens. Mm-hmm. But I thought it was handled very well. And overall, I really enjoyed The King of Staten Island. Okay. So that comes in at number five on my list. Coming at number four is Onward, the Pixar film that you just talked about. Mm-hmm. Really, really enjoyed Onward. Not top-tier Pixar, but still a fantastic movie. Absolutely. And especially the ending just destroyed me. Love, love Onward. Coming in at number three is The Gentleman. Uh, excellent Guy Ritchie film. Not my favorite, but it, it was so much fun. Like, I had such a killer time in the theater. Everyone mm-hmm. was laughing and even cheering at some points. And I just love his style, the way he edits films together. Love the gentleman. Such a great time. Absolutely. Yes. Coming in at number two is going to be a movie called Palm Springs. This was a Hulu movie okay. that was, I forget which festival it premiered at, and then Hulu bought it with Andy Samberg. And, oh... The actress's name. She's the mother on How I Met Your Mother. No, I don't watch sitcoms. You know this. Jesus Christ, I hate you. But really phenomenal actress. I'm so sorry that I'm forgetting your name because you fucking watch this. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, really, 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 really great movie. Uh, it does the Groundhog Day thing of living the same mm-hmm. day over and over, but it took a very, very interesting spin on that idea. Okay. And um, I fell in love with the characters. I loved the scenario that they were in because they're stuck at a wedding over and over again for the mm-hmm. rest of their lives. And just the way that that movie used the formula to its advantage and took it in different directions than it had previously been done before, mm-hmm. I thought was really interesting and fascinating. And overall, the heart of the story is the characters and their story. Mm-hmm. And the whole movie, you're invested into what's going on. And J.K. Simmons also plays a side role, and he's fantastic in it. Oh, we love J.K. Simmons. Yes, we do. And coming in at number one is The Invisible Man. I share that sentiment. Fuck you, Nick and Kyler. That's all I'm going to say. But no, we love you guys. We just want to let you know that um, whack. That's all I'm going to say. Even even though film is subjective, 
This one is not. No. It's objectively no, no, good. It is objective. And what I will say, when we talked to both of them about what they disliked about the movie, I totally understood all their points, and I'm like, okay, I can completely understand yeah. why you didn't like the movie. They're but still it, wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but, but it is my fav- personal favorite film of the year so far. I agree with a lot of what you said. I thought Lee Winnell massively directed this film. I thought that Elizabeth Moss, phenomenal performance. I thought it, it did a great job with its suspension of disbelief, and I thought it did a great job modernizing that tale and taking a less sympathetic approach and more of a, this is the villain of the story. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, tying in the theme of, you know, domestic abuse, I thought was a very interesting way to bring out this story. Because mm-hmm. I think without that subplot, it would have felt rather bland. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, no, Love the Invisible Man. And so far, number one film of the year. If theaters remain closed, it'll probably still stay <laughs> up there. Yeah, right? Jesus, New Mutants. It's going to happen. You, th- you think New Mutants can can crack top 10 it's got it's got a shot depends on if it's good if it's because like uh i also saw bloodshot that was nowhere near my fucking top 10 that's fair so if new mutants is like a bloodshot bad can, new can i can i throw a question at you yes when was this movie two questions when was this movie originally slated for april of 2018 the think first trailer about- came out at the end of 2017 okay so think about this and this alternate reality. There's a movie list where I have to rank New Mutants in the 2018 movies. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, no, no. New Mutants comes out in 2018. Does bonkers numbers. Saves Fox. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Could you imagine how great that would be? Like, imagine that's how good this movie is that you're about to watch. If it's real. Like, just... <laughs> if it's real. Just... Think about think about it. I mean, no, maybe, I maybe, maybe it comes out in 2018. Maybe it saves Fox. Maybe that movie single-handedly saves Fox from being bought by Disney because it does stupid numbers. What what if it takes over? Fox was never in trouble. <laughs> what 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 if it? But it got bought by Disney. Yeah, they were in some sort of financial trouble. No, they just won it out. <laughs> you ever run a business for a long time? And be like, ah, eh, fuck this. <laughs> Give it to someone else. <laughs> That's pretty much what happened. <laughs> But still, what if it rejuvenates them? <laughs> well, they're, now they're 20th Century Studios, so... Which is sad to see that yeah. on the opening But uh, But no, like, I, I think the trailers have looked good. Like, I'm not just going because it's X-Men. I'm going because I think the movie looks good. I think it does look good. Yeah. And my wife is in it, so I have to go. Mm-hmm. Understandably. Yeah, of course. Uh, but yeah, no. Uh, that, and that there, there, is... there is an alternate reality where that movie came out two years ago. <laughs> And made $2 billion. The actors are going to be bringing their grandkids to the premiere. (laughs) At this point, they might as well be. Yeah, right? Jesus. Uh, Yeah, but uh, moving on to the next section of our show. This is called Movie Hot Takes, where we pick a topic in the movie world, um, pick an opinion on that side of the topic, and defend it, whether it's popular or unpopular. Mm -hmm. And um, let's go ahead and get right into it. Yeah, let me take... My hot take first, real quick, because okay. you have a much more serious hot take that I want to be able to spend more time on. Okay. Um, but my hot take is that comic book movies should not be seen as comic book movies. They should be seen as movies based on their own merit. Much like um, like earlier we were talking about how Dear Evan Hansen is going to be a film adaptation. That should be looked at. That The movie should be looked at as a movie, not as how good is this as a as a play obviously we know the play is great let's watch it on its own uh, mm-hmm. merit basis as a movie so comic book movies 
should be seen as movies. And most famously, The Dark Knight transcends that because there was such an outrage that that didn't get any Oscar love. Um, Mm. Or like Best Picture Best Picture love. um, More specifically, yes. Um, But it's just a shame that these movies, and more specifically comic book movies, are just like, oh, it's a comic book movie. It's a theme park movie. (laughs) No. Way to drag that into it. Yeah, right? (laughs) Um, While, yes, it is a different style of movie making, it's not just a comic book movie. Yes, they might be in a room probably as big as this that's completely covered in green and blue walls and make it look like they're in outer space. It's a different style of movie making, but it's not a comic book movie. It's a movie. If you wanted a comic book, go out, buy a comic book, read the comic book. Mm -hmm. But I think that that stigma of like superhero movies and like theme park movies. Sort of like preconceived notion of what you're about to see. Yeah. Okay. It should be be based off of its movie merits solely. It should Mm -hmm. not be based off like, oh, it's a comic book movie. And would you also agree with other things like anime movies? Like should they be seen as movies or animated movies? Should they be seen as movies and like not have any preconceived thoughts before heading into it is do you mean so i think that that is a little bit different because okay. anime has a very specific style mm-hmm. whenever you watch tv or tv shows or anime movies i think yes it's still animated uh obviously because it's not live action mm-hmm. but anime has a very specific style to it so i think that has to be anime movies if you want to encompass that into animated I don't see a problem with that personally, but the way I see things, it's like live action movies and then animated. Okay. And then like you can get into the uh, umbrella term of animated, like anime, because animated, mm-hmm. like I said, is a very specific style. Okay, but just to devil's advocate, yeah. since you break it down as, oh, there's live action movies and there's animated movies, how would you make the argument to somebody who's just like you, except there's a third one called superhero or comic book movies? How would I justify like... The superhero movies being live action movies? Yes. Well, even though they use a lot of CG and like, yes, you could argue like, oh, they're CG characters, so they have to be animated. Yes, but they're interacting with the physical world. They're interacting with like Robert Downey Jr. And yes, they superimpose Robert Downey Mm -hmm. Jr.'s face over an animated outfit. It looks real. Like the realism that they're going for, the style that they're going for is real and it feels like it's authentic and it's live action Mm because it is and yes the cg is animated but specifically on that it's the realism that they're going for it's the movie that they're trying to put out there to make it feel real they're not Mm -hmm. doing an animated movie because if they were doing an animated movie we'd get like into the spider-verse for example yeah so does that answer your question sort of but basically like if your if the track that your mind is on Mm -hmm. is hey, comic movies shouldn't have this preconceived notion about them before seeing them, yet you yourself have movies where you do do that. Mm-hmm. How do you convince someone who holds that distinction of comic book movies separately that yours counts and theirs doesn't? Well, it's not that their preconceived thoughts don't count. I mean, I guess that's kind of the purpose of hot takes, but... Mm-hmm. Hmm. Because 
what I was gonna say is I like said I like half agree with you because okay. like you know I me mean? I love comic book movies yeah and I've all, I've said for years that they need to just be seen as movies and not seen as like this other thing and the Academy in recent years has finally started to see that you know Logan got a best adapted screenplay nomination Black yeah. Panther got a best picture nomination Joker got eleven Oscar nominations even won a couple so I think that notion is thankfully starting to disappear a little bit. But I would even say the same thing about animated movies, about anime movies. I think you should judge each movie based off of merit. And, and you said, well, anime movies are a certain style. It's like, yes, but so are comic book movies. So are action movies. So are dramas. So mm-hmm. are comedies. Like, each one has a different style. Mm-hmm. And I think that even though they're genres, that doesn't mean that they shouldn't be taken on an individual merit basis. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah, I'm more radical with, like how you should see each movie and i think even animated movies anime movies foreign language movies like i think all that should just be seen as the merit of the film good or bad yes or no Mm -hmm. not you know oh it's okay for this type of movie yeah you know what i mean yeah i agree i mean obviously each movie is made with its own style each genre is made with its own style and yes i agree that there is a superhero genre in the live action Mm -hmm. world of movies um but just the stigma of like putting it down like oh it's good for a comic book yeah, movie yeah. like and like you said it, it seems like it's the trend's been broken with that mm-hmm. with especially with joker getting nominated for 11 mm-hmm. yeah. academy awards yeah um but just the negative preconceived thought like oh i don't like anime so i'm not gonna watch anime movies well you just don't like that style doesn't mean you don't yeah. like animated movies yeah yeah um i guess it's just the preconceived negative thoughts that i mm-hmm. don't agree with yeah I gotcha. No, no, and I, I pretty much agree with that. Yeah. Uh, mine hot take is a little bit controversial, but hear me out. Um, something that always gets brought up in film conversation is, you know, the need for diversity and the um, basically whose responsibility is that. Mm-hmm. And in public, a lot of the times you'll see, you know, mobs of people get angry with actors at lacks of diversity. When, unfortunately, and while I think those people's hearts are in the right place, you know, they want to see change, so they look, they go after the people that they see on mm-hmm. the screen. I think that some people don't understand the process behind making a film, and that if an actor is in a certain movie, they're just accepting a job. You know, like, like it's, it's, it's how they get paid. Like, they, they don't have, like, job security. They have to go from project to project and make their living that way. Mm-hmm. And so my hot take is I don't think the call for diversity is on actors. I think it's on producers. I think it's on studios. And I think it's on directors. But I wouldn't get mad at an actor for starring in a movie that could have gone to someone of a different race, gender, color, you name it, sexual orientation, you name it. But if the actor accepts the part, don't hate the actor for it. They're just trying to get paid. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And there, there are very few actors who are in the position to turn down a role for that reason and you know that's a great moral thing to do but now they've just lost work mm-hmm. and like they have to struggle to go to their next project and i know actors make a lot of money but not every well like the big stars make a lot of money but not every actor is a big star yeah some actors need that one project to in order to secure their future mm-hmm. and the example that i'll bring up is we brought it up on an early, early episode of our show with Scarlett Johansson in the movie Rub and Tug. Mm-hmm. She was going to play a transgendered person, and there were mobs of people that were angry about that. And granted, ScarJo didn't respond in the best way, but our argument at the time was, yes, should that role be played by someone who's transgendered? Absolutely. But at the same time, with the investors and how small this independent movie is going to be, if there's not a big-name person in that role, 
it's not going to get financed because the financiers think that if Scarlett Johansson doesn't play that character, then that movie doesn't need to happen and they're not going to make their money back. Yeah. And we even said back then, this was years, two years ago, I'd be surprised this movie even happens now. And we're in 2020 and there hasn't been a single casting announcement. There hasn't been any movement on that project at all Mm -hmm. because people don't want to give their money to something that they don't think will be successful. Now, is it wrong that they don't think it will be successful, successful with a transgender person? Yes. You, just now in 2018, we got Black Panther. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, yeah, we had Blade before that and some other African-American superhero movies. But studios didn't get the confidence to do that until 2018, which seems silly. But the only color they really care about is green. If they don't think or know for sure that it will make them money, they will not make that decision. Mm-hmm. So when actors take these roles, like I think, I don't know her, but I think when Scarlett Johansson took that role... Part of the reason why she was taking that role is because she was like, oh, it's going to bring a light to this community. It's going to – I'm going to use my platform to spread the message of the struggles of people in the transgender community, and I get to do that as an actress. And I get to challenge myself, and it's going to be really interesting and fascinating for everybody. But instead, she was kind of just bullied out of the role, Mm -hmm. and I think that's wrong. Now, I do think that, you know – Actors should be given opportunities of their same sexual orientation, race, gender, you know, all of that. But at the same time, you know, I'll use Brookback Mountain as an example. Neither Jake Gyllenhaal or Heath Ledger are gay, but they brought light to, you know, what it was like to be like a homosexual in America in 2005. And because of that platform, because they were able to do that, they were able to, you know, reach out on a mass scale to audiences who didn't really understand that problem before. And now you can have movies with, you know, LGBT leads because movies like Brokeback Mountain paved the way for it. And, you know, in the perfect world, you know, transgender people play transgender roles, gay people play gay roles, always. But we're not in a perfect world. And until we get, I think how we get there is by having stars use their platform to open the light to the rest of the world into that problem into that subject Mm -hmm. so that more people can learn and grow from it i don't think it's on the actor for diversity because they wanted a paycheck and accepted a job i think it's on the directors and the studios to make sure that they're hiring the adequate people to make that happen yeah and i also want to throw in there there are some exceptions like if you should never play somebody of a different race Mm -hmm. that's horrible especially because you know the original uses of like blackface, for example, in the past were specifically done to not give black actors roles and the white actors playing the black act- black actors were doing so in a stereotype basis, really putting them down and it really promoted a bunch of horrible things. So the connotation immediately should prevent anyone from doing so. Mm-hmm. And I think that is a big asterisk to what I pre- previously mentioned. And obviously there are roles where it's wrong for you to take it or this isn't who I am, but I am an actor, so I need to make sure that this gets brought into the light. You know, there's a time and a place for it, and there are some exceptions. Mm -hmm. But overall, in a broad, general sense, it shouldn't be on actors to make that happen. It should be on the studios and the filmmakers. I agree 100% with you. Now, I think... I think whenever you... I I do want to change a little bit of your wording, Mm -hmm. um, because you you said it, and then you kind of fixed it later. Mm -hmm. But... I don't think actors take roles like that just for the paycheck. I think like ScarJo, for example, like you mm-hmm. said, she would take it to help get that message out there. Yeah. Um, and I, w- I would hope that any actor who takes any kind of role like that 
would do it with the positive intention of getting that positive light out there. Yes. So like, I agree with you. I just wanted to like change your wording just a little bit. Cause mm-hmm. in the beginning, um, I, I think you just misset it on yeah. how you wanted to yeah. say it. But like, mm-hmm. you, like I said, you said it perfectly with ScarJo. Like you don't know her personally. I don't know her. She'll never watch this. She doesn't know we exist, <laughs> but she is probably, she probably took that role with the intention of like shedding light on it. Mm-hmm. And like you said, it's, been two years and we haven't heard another yeah. thing about now the that movie, not even which is happen. which is a shame yeah um and i don't think it's on the actors mm-hmm. to answer like oh why'd you take this role like yeah. you're taking and, and, a job away from a transgendered yeah. person and well, listen there are plenty of transgender people who could play that role absolutely but unfortunately investors won't green light the project and they i'm would not see... saying and i'm not saying that the movie wouldn't be successful with a transgender mm-hmm. role i'm saying they don't think it would be yeah and until we do some projects to change their minds that won't happen, but we're only going to get those projects from directors and studios who make it happen. And all Not- it is is the old whites in Hollywood. Yep. They're the ones making the decisions. They're the ones who hired ScarJo, and they saw her as like a, a, a real person that could get this project going. Once they saw the backlash against it, they're like, well, it's probably going to be too risky to make the movie now. Mm-hmm. They, they, because- they took the wrong message from it. Yeah, exactly. And, 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 I, and I don't get mad at people being visit like upset with ScarJo being cast because mm-hmm. their heart was in the right place. Uh, yeah, like, mm-hmm. you know, they like uh, I agree. Transgendered people should have yeah. roles in Hollywood for transgendered characters. Absolutely, like, yeah. I, I agree one hundred percent with you. Mm-hmm. But it's just going to take time to get there. Yeah, and I think people's hearts are in the right place. They're just mm-hmm. going after the wrong people. Yeah, because yeah. it's it's not like. It's not like ScarJo made that movie. It's not like she wrote herself in that character. Yeah. Like, they just need to be able to see that she is just a person. Actors are freelance workers. Yeah. That's all they are, freelance workers. Mm -hmm. And hopefully her heart was in the right place when she accepted that role. She was Mm -hmm. like, you know, hopefully she was thinking like, you know what? This is a, a very topical issue that we need to shed light on. With me being in this role, I mean, it, it may sound a little mm. boasty, but, you know, ScarJo is a big name. Yeah. And She's like two years like, ago, you know like what? Infinity War was about to come out. Exactly. You know, she was at the height of her stardom. Yep. Mm-hmm. So she's just like, you know what? With my name attached to this, this will definitely draw people out there. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, we haven't heard another thing about that movie. Yeah. That's a real shame. But yeah, but that, that, was, that, was, my, that was my hot take. Yeah. And I think it's a very important issue because... Uh, people's hearts are in the right place. Like you said, it mm-hmm. ju- they're just going after the wrong people. Yeah. Because it's, yeah. it's the producers, it's the directors, it's the studios who are in Hollywood making the movies, mm-hmm. casting the people, not necessarily... Like, I-, I would say you only go after the actor if they're like... If their heart's not in it. Yeah, I mean, not only that, I, I would go after the actor if they are consistently seeking out roles that should not go to them. Mm-hmm. You know what I like mean? Like purposely taking jobs away. Yeah, like if they're like, oh, no, 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 I think I should play that role, not you. You know, like yeah. I think that's where you get a little muddled there. Okay. But overall majority of the time, if the actor wants to do their part, mm-hmm. it, sh- it shouldn't be their fault. It shouldn't be on them to make it happen. It should be on the people who hired them. Yeah, and most recently it happened again with Halle Berry. Yes. I, I, can't, I can't remember yes, what did. movie it was. Yeah. but mm-hmm. um, Very similar scenario. Very similar scenario. Mm-hmm. And she did come out and she apologized. Yeah, but um, now I don't think that movie is going to happen now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, we'll have to see. Hopefully it does happen. But, I mean, it's not going to look good because, like, with uh, Robin Tug, that was two years yeah. ago. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. So now we're going to move on to the final section of our show, which is going to be Franchise Spotlight. What is Franchise Spotlight? That is when Ryan and I 
watch every single movie in a franchise and break it down movie by movie and talk about them here on the show. But with movies with with I'm sorry, with franchises more than five movies, we like to break it up into bits. And we tackled a big fucking franchise this time. That was recommended to us. It was. Yippee. Yes. Yes, by more than one person. So, Ryan, what franchise are we tackling now? We are doing the critically acclaimed X-Men franchise. Oh, yes. And how we're going to break it up because we we discussed different ways we should break it up. Like we're like should we do one trilogy, then this trilogy, and then these extra movies, or should we... And then we decide, you know what? Chronological. Yep. We're just going to do it in the order that they were released. Mm-hmm. So we're going to start with the first three X-Men films. X-Men, X2, X-Men United, and X-Men The Last Stand. Mm-hmm. And by chronological, we mean by release date, not by the order of the story. Because they're all continuity, continuity, Oh, which we will get into with Fox here in a minute. But, uh, you know, I'm going to go ahead and start with uh, the first X-Men. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, this film came out in 2000. Uh, this film is credited with kicking off the age that we're still in of just, like, the superhero comic book movie kind of taking over Hollywood and mm-hmm. being the event films to see. Um, we did have a couple movies before this, like Blade came out before this, but it didn't really market itself as a comic book movie where X-Men was all in on, like, based on the Marvel comic, you know? Yeah. And... um. Charles Roven, who produced Batman Begins the Dark Knight and works over at Warner Brothers, credits this movie for a mass greenlighting of comic book projects across Hollywood, and he credits the opening scene of Magneto as a child in Auschwitz. Which is haunting. It's horrifying. You know, this movie, this comic book sci-fi movie opens with a child in the Holocaust being taken away from his family and in his rage discovers he has the ability to bend metal as he shuts the gates down and it's just it's very it sets like you in like a oh it's it's an attention getter as Sheriff Buford T. Yeah. Justice would say <laughs> and it really really gets you into the style of the movie yeah um, the movie's very stylistic um, some of it doesn't age all that well in terms of just you know visual effects and storytelling but mm-hmm. I think a lot of it's pretty solid um, it introduces us to fucking Hugh Jackman as Wolverine, which is one of the most iconic performances ever. That he'll have the longest reigning, mm-hmm. um, what is it? Like, 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 like he has a Guinness World Record for Yeah, like for the number of years, yeah. Yeah, which is nuts. It's crazy. And also, but you know, t- the casting all around was fucking top notch. You have Hugh Jackman as Wolverine, you have Patrick Stewart as Professor X, Ian McKellen as Magneto. Um, Framke Jensen as Jean Grey, James Marston uh, as Cyclops. Rip. And uh, Anna Paquin as Rogue, um, you know, and I'm Holly Berry as Storm, you know, tons of people. And, you know, it really, it introduces the the X-Mansion. And what really kind of, I think, sets this movie above from, like, a typical, like, stereotype, not great comic mm-hmm. book movie is it has this backdrop of mutant rights, because, like, the comic books are very much based on civil rights, and in the updated movie, which, like I said, came out in 2000, this was more centered around the, the gay rights area mm-hmm. of, you know, should people be registered as mutants? You know, should we make people say if they're a mutant if they know they're a mutant? And, like, that sort of legal battle brought into it because then you have the clashing ideologies of Magneto and Xavier where one of them is more like, hey, we should work peacefully with humans and we should just learn to coexist, and you have Magneto who was like, nah, fuck them humans. They treated us like shit for years. I was in the Holocaust. I've seen how bad humans can be, and mm-hmm. I'm not fucking dealing with it anymore. And f- for that reason, he's one of my favorite villains ever. Love mm-hmm. Magneto. But um, as the story plans out, as you get introduced to the world and these characters, you really are all into this story, even though they made them wear all black leather and not their bitchin' outfits, <laughs> which was the, annoying. The yellow, yeah. Yeah, but, uh, but uh, I've kind of 
went on about the first X-Men movie. I thoroughly enjoy X-Men. I think it's mm-hmm. a great, great movie. But uh, go ahead and you dive into your thoughts on the very first X-Men film as well. Yeah, I loved the opening shot at, at the Holocaust. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I loved it for the aspect that it drew you in immediately and mm-hmm. was like, this is a comic book movie, but it has serious implications. Um, yeah. And just how he discovered his powers is just... Like, it's terrifying, and it's, like, tear-jerking. Like, he's literally being pulled away from his mother. Yeah. And, like, like it, it's 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 fascinating to see, like, how that rage and, like, that kind of emotion was able to draw mm-hmm. out his powers. And then, like you said, how he was able to see, like, the dark side of humanity, and that's why he wanted to be, like, mutants are so much better and, like, promote, yeah. you know, mutants being better than humans. Yeah. And and something else about this movie, in ter- like you hit it on the hit the nail on the head with like showing people's powers and their emotions. Mm-hmm. You get some people with cool powers, like Wolverine, who can heal and get knives out of his hands. But then you have people like Rogue, who are in the film. In the comic, she's cooler. But in in the context of the film, mm-hmm. something I liked is like she hates her power because when she touches somebody, it just kills them. Yeah, it heal. It helps. Like it takes whatever she touches and like helps her out. Mm-hmm. But. She can't touch anybody. Yeah. And so you have, like, that emotion of just, like, you know, all of you are celebrating your shit, but I I can't touch people, you know? And it's, like, especially th- that dynamic she- was interesting. Yeah, because then she'll, like, later on realize that she'll just never be able to have a family, and it's so yeah. sad. And they yeah. play on, on those themes and feelings a lot because their powers are who they are, and, you know, there's still people with these powers, mm-hmm. yeah. whether they like their powers or not. Mm-hmm. And it's just fascinating to watch these characters like unravel throughout these movies. Yeah. And throughout all the movies, I love the pissing contest between Wolverine and Cyclops over Jean Grey. Mm-hmm. It's the fucking funniest thing. There's two great moments in the movie where, because like Wolverine, because the movie starts with Jean Grey and Cyclops are a thing, but mm-hmm. Wolverine tries to get in the middle of it because he likes Jean. And uh, there's a great scene where like Wolverine's talking to Jean and Cyclops interrupts. And Jean leaves. Mm-hmm. And Wolverine's like, you're going to tell me to stay away from your girl? And he goes, well, if I had to do that, she wouldn't be my girl. But hey, Logan, s- stay away from my girl. <laughs> it's, <laughs> yeah. a, it's a great scene. But, Just the rivalry yeah. between them. But yeah. the, the best one, though, is at the end of the movie when Mystique is, who awesome character, by the way. And like, oh, yeah. Mystique is, um, you know, becoming each X-Men member. And, like, she became Wolverine at one point. Mm-hmm. And Wolverine takes her out. And then the real Wolverine steps in. And they all, like, are on edge. You're like, are you Mystique? And he goes, it's really me, I swear. And Cyclops goes, prove it. Wolverine goes, you're a dick. <laughs> and he goes, okay. Okay. <laughs> That's Wolverine. Yeah. yeah. So such, such good stuff there. Um, is it cool with you if we move on to yeah, yeah, absolutely. X2? Yeah. X2 is one of the greatest fucking comic book movies ever made. <laughs> I fucking love X2. Oh my God. Such a fantastic, fantastic movie. Where to even begin? Um, you know, they apprehend Magneto at the end of the first film. So now he's in like this plastic prison, which is just awesome. Mm-hmm. And uh, you learn more about Wolverine going to try and figure out more about his past because he, he has amnesia. He doesn't remember anything. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jean Grey is starting to get a little, starting to get the fritz, the glitchies. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, something's going on. And then a character gets introduced named William Stryker, who you found out, find out in the movie, is the person who created Wolverine, mm-hmm. not his mutant ability to heal and have bone claws but the one who put the adamantium on him and the one who wiped his memory like the person he's been looking for for the answers is right there and he is there to just fuck mutants up but unlike magneto he actually has the government power to make it happen Mm -hmm. and he kidnaps mutants and brainwashes them to do bad things so that the president can allow him to take out mutants. and you get the 
amazing opening scene with Nightcrawler at the White House. Holy shit. First of all. What a rad, rad opening. Yeah, and first of all, Nightcrawler. What a badass. Badass and character. such a great performance by Alan Cumming. And just that whole sequence, and how, like, even for 2003, it looks flawless. That was like a one-shot too, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. It looks flawless. And it is such a well-done sequence. And, um, you know, the story of, or even Magneto, like, goes to Xavier and is like, yo, fuck the striker guy. Let's put our shit aside and handle <laughs> this. Like, this, this, this is bad right here. Yeah. That was all great. Um, you finally get Wolverine a little less tamed. He fucking screams really loud and fucking stabs the dude through the fridge. That is my first theater memory of people clapping mid-movie. Really? Was Wolverine stabbing that fucker in the fridge. I was six or seven. Wow. It was awesome. Awesome. Eventually we get to Logan, which fucking, but we'll get yeah. there. But, uh, oh, God, what a good movie. I can't yeah. wait to revisit that yeah. one. And then, you know, you get, you know, Cyclops gets kidnapped and has to fight Jean Grey. You get tons of awesome sequences. Emotionally, it's the most resonant. Um, there's a great scene where Iceman, I fucking love Iceman, but when Iceman comes out as a mutant to his parents and the way the scene's constructed is so well done. Uh, you get Pyro going with Magneto well, that, at the end. that scene specifically like has a lot of uh, real world yeah. connections to it because, yeah. like you said, like him coming out as a mutant mm-hmm. is yeah. is very similar to like you know kids coming out as gay. Exactly. And you even get the parent saying, "Have you ever tried not being a mutant?" <laughs> like just shit like that. Yeah. And just the way and, like, they're it, able it to... tackles real world themes. It does right there that like mm-hmm. you know it's n- it's nothing I will ever be able to connect to personally, yeah. and yeah. nothing you'll be able to connect to. But like something being being able to watch on screen and like watch how horrible that is, like really. Mm-hmm makes you sympathetic yeah so like I, I just think that the real world themes that they ta- tackled in that oh, yeah. movie is fantastic yeah and then you get rad shit like storm flying the helicopter and then using tornadoes to take out the mm-hmm. other jets and then when they fire a hole in it rogue gets flown out of the plane so nightcrawler fucking snatches her god i love uh, nightcrawler's so badass love this movie uh i'll let you talk about it a little bit more because i've kind of just you know gah, 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 it for like <laughs> for like five minutes but uh, go no, ahead man. and you talk about these movies. Go talk ahead, about uh, X two X Men United. Yeah, so I just want to uh, bounce back to like I was saying, like the real world themes that they have in these mm-hmm. movies. Like you know, they're not just superhero movies. Like mm-hmm. I was saying, yeah, they, they tr- transcend that. Yeah. Um, but Nightcrawler, that opening shot was mm-hmm. badass. Like it tells you everything you need to know about Nightcrawler with no dialogue. Mm-hmm. Um, on his part, and and, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, inter- no, I'm no, go ahead, dude, go ahead. But I love his character, how he's like the Catholic guilt, mm-hmm. and how he just wants to do right so badly, and then mm-hmm. he feels so bad for being brainwashed. It's just, it's heartbreaking. Go yeah, ahead. it is. I will interrupt you constantly. Yeah, man, go ahead. I I know that uh, these definitely strike a chord with mm-hmm. you. Like he had all the X. Yeah, you can't right see it, but me. I have an entire wall of X Men shit yeah, over we there. Have, what, two, four, five. Six things on the wall. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Well, for now. For now. We'll get more. For now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I that opening shot is honestly like one of the best openings I've ever seen. I I can't get enough of that. And yeah. just like like you said, how Storm was like taking out those helicopters and Nightcrawler like pops in, pops out. Like yeah. that shit is just so cool. It's yeah. so cool, and I can't wait to like. I uh, I recently just watched these movies for the first time mm-hmm. uh, within the past year, two years mm-hmm. with you actually. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can't wait to see like younger nightcrawler because like he does mm-hmm. even cooler shit yep. um but talking about this movie specifically um i love that like he how magneto's in that uh plastic 
prison and like mm-hmm. how he was able to break out like that oh, shit the fucking is rips so the cool. iron out of the yeah. dude yeah oh, oh it's so, so fucking awesome. cool yeah um because like he's in a plastic prison because he bends metal but iron people's blood they like, found a way to get out yeah and i that's a very smart way to resolve your problem yeah because they had standpoint. mystique like pump the guard full of it so that yeah. you'd have the extra yeah like it's just it's such a smart way to show that oh and, yeah like uh very very transcends transcends yeah. the yep. the phrase comic book hero yep. and then you have the ending which would lead up into the dark phoenix saga from the comics where jean gray gives her life to save the rest of the x-men and then you see the outline of the phoenix in mm-hmm. the water then you get X-Men The Last Stand. The most accurate. Oh, shut the fuck up. <laughs> of all of them. No. Uh, not a great film. Very disappointing end to the original X-Men trilogy. Mm-hmm. It's not all bad, though. For example, you get Kelsey Grammer as Beast, who was fucking delightful. <laughs> Love Kelsey Grammer as Beast. So awesome. Can't it's get really, enough of them. The end of battle is pretty cool. For the most part, mm-hmm. like the Brotherhood of Mutants versus the, you know, the school, the X-Men. Very, yeah. Very cool. Not much else is great. Um, the dialogue, shit. The way it handles Dark Phoenix while also trying to do the Cure storyline, shit. Uh, the way that it legit just has, oh my God, there's one moment in this movie that pisses me off so much. Cyclops? No. Oh, that did though. But there's a moment in this movie where Magneto one of my favorite characters ever in anything mm-hmm. who loves mutants more than anything. Even, and he wants mutants to rule the world. Like that's how much he loves mutants. And that's mm-hmm. how he attracts people is like by showing like no one cares about you, but I do when they're in the final battle, mm-hmm. a bunch of mutants run at the X-Men and like the military. And then as someone like a bigger character goes to run to Magneto stops them and says in chess, you let the pawns go first, implying that, we're going to let those people die. And I'm just like, Magneto would never fucking do that about mutants, ever. Mm-hmm. He would love, love. He would care about and protect each person he recruits. Like, that is who that character is. And that just, oh, that ekes me to no end. Although he did get to flip some cool semi-trucks and shit, so I guess that counts. And we got the juggernaut, bitch. Oh, my God. Why would you remind me of that? <laughs> they kill Cyclops pretty much off screen. Right away. And like, they, in the first 10 minutes, yep. too. And they killed Xavier in a really fucking stupid way. Oh, my God. In the house. Like, yeah. at the uh, at yeah. Jean Grey's house. Yeah. And, like, okay, here's the thing. He dies, what, halfway through, I think? Yeah. Here's the thing. If you're going to kill characters, that's fine. Not the only time Xavier's died in this franchise. The other time he died, handled perfectly. Mm-hmm. Didn't make me upset at all. There was no wrap-up to his story or his arc at all when he was killed it's just out of the blue yeah and Cyclops even worse (laughs) Famke Jensen tried really hard as Jean Grey Dark Phoenix Mm -hmm. I'm not upset with her she she, you know and it was very heartbreaking with Wolverine because he's the only one that can heal as he goes towards her and he has to kill her because he loves her all that shit Mm -hmm. then the juggernaut bitch With him just stampeding, and who does he... He goes after Stryker's son. No, no, no. He goes after the person who um, is the cure for the mutants. Oh, right, 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 right. And uh, Ellen Ellen Page's uh, Kitty Pride. Mm-hmm. Fantastic addition to the movie, I will add. She's great. Is protecting him. Yeah, right. And then they're running through the walls, yeah. and... Yeah. Uh, good thing we got another juggernaut. Yes, which we'll get to eventually. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, um... Not a fun movie. 
Not a good movie. No, it just it feels like that they're trying to they have too much on their plate and they don't know how to handle this movie. Yeah. Like there's too many storylines that they're trying to control and do. And it's like and, if and they, they also just, just they tried to be rad. Like, oh, let's just put it in this scene because it would be cool, even though it... Like, let's fucking kill Professor X because yeah. it would be cool for or, shock factor. Or let's cure Mystique and then have Magneto abandon Mystique. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. This movie. But, yeah, and it, and it, it's not as bad as I'm making it out to be. There's some merit to it still. But it is not good. It is especially not as good as the first two. I have a sneaking suspicion on what's going to be at the bottom of your list when we wrap up this franchise. I don't know if this is last, but it's low. <laughs> Let me tell you, dude, the X-Men movies, there are some that are like the peak of comic book movies. And there are some that are like, oh my God, that's why they didn't make them for 30 years. <laughs> so we'll get there for sure. Yeah. But uh, go ahead and uh, we won't rank them till the very, very end, but yeah. go ahead and give me some grades on the original X-Men trilogy. Oh, and talk about X-Men three. I totally didn't even. Dude, I try to block that memory, even though we just <laughs> recently rewatched. Like, I try to block that memory, oh, God. that movie from my memory. Um, you hit pretty much every fucking chord that I could think of on this movie. Like, the Juggernaut is awful. It feels so out of place. And that whole character is just clunky is the best way to describe him. Dumb, clunky, big man, break shit. Like, that's kind of how I see him. Cyclops, <laughs> they kill in the first ten minutes. I remember watching this movie for the first time with you and being like... What the fuck? <laughs> they just killed Cyclops? Like, he was such a big character in the first two movies. Yeah, yeah. And then, um, also watching it for the first time, I, I remember whenever they killed um, Professor X, like, Jean Grey is, like, t- uh, tweaking out and, like, mm-hmm. about to, like, go Phoenix mode, or their version of the Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember audibly saying, like, are they really just going to kill Professor X right now? <laughs> and they did, and I was like... Are you fucking kidding me? We're like halfway yeah. through this movie. Like he didn't do anything. Like he was just like, Gene, it's okay. Mm-hmm. You know me. <laughs> Calm down. We love you. And like she like loses her shit and it's just like And yeah. like to give you more of an idea of how bad the dialogue is in this movie, like if you didn't already get it from I'm the Juggernaut bitch, which is an actual line. Yeah. There's a scene where I think it's Mystique, I think it's Mystique who's trapped in like a a uh truck taking a bunch of mutants somewhere and she keeps transforming transforming into other people and mocking the security guard Mm -hmm. and the security guard just pulls out pepper spray and goes keep it up i'll spray you in the face bitch (laughs) and i'm like what what What? (laughs) oh yeah that movie bad movie but uh but yeah yeah so ranking so uh not not ranking but like the grades yeah Mm -hmm. uh so for the first x-men uh four stars out of five x2 four and a half stars out of five and then critically acclaimed x3 would be two stars out of five what Not about bad. you uh x-men gets an a minus okay x2 gets an a plus oh x3 gets a c minus oh a c minus wow yeah. not even like a. I was expecting a d just for beast yeah that's fair just for kelsey grammar's beast that's fair but yeah no uh there are other reasons but yeah there, there's some rad shit uh like full on Iceman versus full on Pyro. Like okay, okay, you got you got my attention, movie. <laughs> Is that what it takes? <laughs> I'm a man of simple pleasures. That's fair. If you're not gonna have a good story, have something be cool. Do you some know? cool shit in your movie. I like Armageddon. That movie story's complete garbage. <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, I think that's gonna pretty much do it for today's show. 
thank you guys so much for watching. Um, you can find us on Facebook at Movie Nights, at Instagram and Twitter at Nights underscore Movie, YouTube.com slash C slash Movie Nights. Subscribe if you're audio only, and if you're watching video but you would rather listen to audio only, we are on pretty much every podcasting app of choice. Just go ahead and find us, the Movie Nights podcast. And thanks for everything, guys, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.